Amen. Joy. I've got the joy of Jesus down in my heart. Where? Down in my... Come on, guys. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Summer has started, and I'm wearing the wrong clothes. But I bought this yesterday, H&M, and I'm feeling really excited about it. But wrong clothes for today. I did bring a change of t-shirts for the Angels game, though, so I'm going to be not so hot there. Um, my name is Grant. I have the pleasure and privilege of being a pastor here at New Song Church, and um, welcome to you. If you are visiting with us today, we have a Connect card we would love uh, for you to fill out. Let us know that you've been here. Uh, but not only that, come and say hi. Melody and I will be hanging around today, uh, which after our gathering today, we have soup. So lots of opportunities to connect and hang out with each other. We have name badges today. We do this once a month uh, on the first Sunday of the month because I, the older I get, the worse I get with names. So it gives me a refresher every single month. I'm like, oh yeah, you're Pete. That's who you are. I'm Grant. You know, I need, sometimes I need it for myself as well. Um, we're starting small groups. In your worship guide, there should be reading a card here for Summer of Love. We're going to get all hippy-dippy this summer, uh, hearkening back to the failed experiment of the Summer of Love in the 60s, because, you know, lots of good intentions, like human beings often have. We're going to change everything that's going to be amazing. We believe that transformation is found uh, in Christ alone. Um, we say that we want to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. We don't put a lot of trust in ourselves because we know what we're made of. We are quite weak and frail and prone to wander, as the hymn says. So we put our trust in Christ and we do it together. Amen? So we're going to have small groups alongside the sermon series. Uh, I'm super excited about this. It kind of came from just various conversations with Melody and, and every week at Sandy Mr. Simon Center. Yay! We, every week we sing Jesus Loves Me. And it's become kind of our anthem. You know, we, we can talk about theology, we can get super complicated, but just to simply say, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We thought, it's important for the summer to think about this. So there's many ways we believe we can believe, uh, come to believe that God loves us. So sign-ups are starting this weekend. Now, if you want to sign up for a small group, we'll be meeting in here on Wednesday evenings. Uh, student ministries will be happening in the other buildings, so there'll be times when we might connect and do stuff together. Uh, but it's a really awesome time of, of fellowship and time together. Um, is there a special day in America coming up soon? <laughs> so I got a message as a royal, loyal subject of the crown, King Charles. I got a message to, to share with America from the king, but I'm too scared to do it. So if you want, I'll email it to you if you want me to. Um, he's concerned things aren't going so well over here, and perhaps you'd like to revert back to the pre-1776 <laughs> version of America. Because um, we could do with the taxes, I tell you. Britain's not doing that well either. Um, but happy July 4th, everyone. It is going to be awesome. Please take care that you have 10 fingers the day after July 4th, as you had before July 4th, if you know what I mean. Um, also, in, at Easter time, we had crosses, a project where people built crosses. And for those of us who did it, I think it was really meaningful as we led up through Lent to Easter to, to build a cross. And it causes you to think about what a cross is. What does it mean to you? Outside in the, in the uh, foyer there, there's a bunch of them on display. Uh, I would like to ask if you could pick your cross up today. We're going to uh, take these home and we're going to put uh, recommended books up on these shelves again. So this will be the last day to check it out. If you've not looked at the crosses, take a look. There's some wonderful work that our people did. Um, what else do I need to talk about here? Um, I think I just need to pray now. Is that correct? 
Uh, oh, I can talk about giving, because you guys love that, don't you? Uh, you know, this is the first uh, Sunday of the new fiscal year. We set a budget, uh, which is available in the foyer also. We want to be transparent about everything that we do. Everything is available for people to, to see. Uh, we have a new budget. We also have a list of prayer points that we're praying for as we continue to seek to know what it is that God wants us to do right here and to be faithful to do it. And it takes all of us to participate, whether that's with your time or with your finances. We'd encourage us to continue to give to the good work that God is doing here. Um, so let's pray right now. And, and, you know, I was thinking, actually, during the singing, you know, sometimes uh, I glance around in the room. And sometimes pastors do that on Sundays with a, an anxiety, like, wow, there's not many people here yet. But it's because most people come late, right? But I was looking around the room, and I was just thinking to myself, like, from God's perspective, knowing that he understands everything about your life, like where you've been, what you've seen, what you've experienced, what you've done, what you've not done, like how rich this is. I just kind of let myself kind of soak in that. Like there's so many different kinds of people here, all different experiences and places you've been. That is a beautiful, a beautiful thing. And we bring all that together. It's quite, I was feeling a bit awestruck. Uh, not only was that music was also brilliant this morning, but I was thinking about that. But also my mind was going to the real things that I know about a lot of people in this room uh, that, are, that are really, really difficult right now. And I just want to, once again, let's, let's be a family. Let's be a community. Uh, let's ask one another how we're doing uh, with, in a way that we mean it. How are you doing today? So as we pray, we're going to together lift up the people in our group right now, those who are joyful because things are going well, but also and especially those who are really struggling right now, carrying a heavy burden. Uh, and then we'll pray for Melody as she brings the next section of Hebrews for us. Let's pray together, brothers and sisters. Lord, thank you so much that because our feasting, meeting meals together and our breathing and our everything about us as human is, is good. Uh, you made good people. Lord, we recognize that we live in a world where your kingdom has not fully broken in and so we struggle with our own tendencies, our own shame and guilt and fear and sin and that of others around us. Lord, we see this world and it is so broken. There is so much cruelty occurring. Even just within this neighborhood, we know there are things happening that are causing people to be lost in sorrow and grief and isolation and pain. Lord, send us. You know the people in this room right now. You know who we are. You know what we know, what our experiences are, where we can empathize with people. And Lord, may it start here. I pray that we would have eyes to see our brothers and sisters, that we would see beyond maybe the, the walls that we sometimes put up and the masks that we wear and see that there's a person who needs just an encouraging word or a hug or a, or a prayer. Lord, I pray for all among us who are currently experiencing physical uh, difficulties, Lord, pain, chronic things, age, disease, Lord. Father, we pray that you would bring healing to their bones, their flesh, their mind today. Um, we know we are all aging, and we have that appointment that one day when we will step from this world into the next, but Lord, may that which is your spirit within us, may that persist and grow in strength that we would rejoice to know that we are yours. Lord, we pray with those who are joyful today because of good news and we celebrate with them. And Father, we pray that you would speak to us through Melody, your servant, who has been preparing this week. And as she comes just as she is, 
Uh, and Lord, we pray with expectancy that you would speak to our hearts. Uh, help us to listen. Show us yourself and show us ourselves and show us how that fits together. You are good. We love you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. How are you holding up this morning? Hot, right? Summer is here. A few weeks ago, we're like, where's the sun? Guess what? It found us. I feel like I'm hissing. Is that me? I'm super like, I feel like Beyonce when I have this on my face on Sundays. Um, all right, you just signal me, George. George, my sound guy. Um, so the heat showed up a few weeks ago. We were on vacation at Newport Beach, and we were wearing sweaters. And, you know, we're on the beach, and for my kids not to be in the water tells you something. It was cold. And now, like, I'm like, I don't, I don't even want to open the door for the dog right now. It's just so hot. So anyway, are you thinking about soup already? Yeah, I saw a couple. I saw friendship bean soup. It's vegetarian. I saw some chicken enchilada soup. Did anyone else bring something different? What'd you bring, Ron? Chicken noodle vegetable soup. All right, what'd you bring, Gina? Lemon curd. That's right. Megan, what'd you bring? Scones that go with the lemon curd. Excellent. What'd you bring, Barb? Ukrainian borscht. What? Wow. Ukrainian borscht. Ukrainian borscht. What is that? It's your dad's soup. Okay. I generally don't get to the soup until it's like a little bit left. Will you save me a bowl of that? Oh my gosh. She's like, no, I'm not fighting people on that. Get it yourself, Melody. Okay, somebody save me a little cup of soup from that thing. What is it? What is borscht? Beef. Beef and bacon and cabbage. So now I'm definitely not going to get a cup of that soup because people are going to be racing for that one. Well, I'm so glad that there are so many soups. It's like a surprise buffet, you know? You can, you know, I, our family loves Golden Corral, and we never know what we're going to get when we get there, but, you know, it's a Golden Corral of soups here on the first Sunday of the month. So, uh, well, I'm excited to eat with you in a little bit and um, spend some time together, so let's get to it, shall we? Um, well, this morning, as you walked in, maybe you noticed a little something different as you walked in. Maybe you thought, wow, this feels weird. The vibe is weird. It's really quiet. I don't know. Maybe as you grabbed your coffee, you noticed something different. Maybe a little less crazy around the courtyard. And I don't know if you noticed. But I noticed because I am missing my four children today. And they're generally around, like they're a part of everything we do, you know? So Chris and I are completely thrown off. I'm completely off my game. It is the first time ever that our kids are not home with us. They're off. Like he's, you know, gone on a couple trips. I've gone on a couple trips. We went away last year for two, two nights on our anniversary. But it's the first time we are at home with just our dog. And it is so, so odd. I'm so off my game. You'd think I'd be more on my game without having four other humans interrupt me. 
But nope, apparently, like someone said, I'm used to the interruptions, so that makes me a better person, I guess. But uh, anyway, my dad and my brother flew in last week, and my dad took my four kids with my uh, brother, with their uncle, on a road trip to uh, Oregon very early yesterday morning. Yeah, look at that. 4 a.m. They're so cute. Um, but they piled in our van, and they left to Eugene to go visit my sister. They went to go visit um, my sister's husband, their kids, so they have cousins. So our house indeed feels very, very weird. Our dog is visibly sad. Can you spot her there? She is visibly sad. She is visibly affected by the fact that her four best friends aren't there. Chris is also, I don't have a picture of him, but he is also visibly sad because I have a lot of projects for him and I to do in the next week. So if you see him crying today, it's not because he misses his kids, it's because I did not go with them. So he's like somebody, anybody, invite me to something, invite me to something. So anyhow, as the kids were packing up their bags on Friday night and we were all in the kitchen packing up snacks, you know, we sat the kids down and we said, um, you know, here we laid out the guidelines and the expectations and, you know, what behaviors and whatnot to have for this trip. And now most of you know my kids and you know that our kids are pretty decent. They're not saints, but they're decent enough. And, you know, we were saying, hey, listen, make choices that will make me proud of you. Don't make choices that make me want to go through the phone and grab you so that you can see my face. Okay? So make choices that would make me proud of you. Um, be helpful. Don't argue about dumb things. Watch out for each other. You know, the kind of things that parents say to kids. And they nodded and they said, yes, mom, yes, dad. And we went, you know, they went to bed and Chris and I stayed up talking. I said, you know... <laughs> This conversation just now, it reminds me of something that happened on our summer vacation back in 2018. Now, in 2018, we went down to Solana Beach. And by this picture alone, you can tell which kids take after me and which child takes after Chris. <laughs> can you tell? So, you know, uh, we were just down there. They had a lovely time, beautiful beach, and... Um, everything was, was okay for the most part, and we had a great time after they got in really big trouble. Now, I can't remember, we couldn't remember what the event was, but I do remember it was just a culmination of pushing me more towards the edge and more towards the edge and more towards the edge until it just, you know, I stopped and I was like, come on, this is vacation, what are you doing? Like, I'm on vacation too, you know? And so Chris sent me out, and I don't remember all the details. We couldn't, we couldn't remember that far, but um, I, did, I know I did a little retail therapy. I, I grabbed a little coffee, and when I get back, I find this note taped to the door. And if you can't see that far, it says, it says, we heart you, mom, we are sorry. And they each signed it. They each signed it to make sure that everyone was in agreement. And I remember that when I walked in, they were like quietly playing their board games and everyone was, you know, on their best behavior. And, you know, we did move on from this kind of bad moment on our vacation, but 
I, I definitely wasn't too happy, and they were feeling very sorry. They were feeling very guilty that things had gotten to this point on vacation. So, you know, I look back now, and I think, man, that is a super sweet note, but that was not a fun moment for us. That was not a fun moment. And it reminded me of another time where it should have been, you know, not a moment of kind of tense, I'm getting in trouble kind of moment, but it reminded me of this one Christmas Eve in particular where Josh and Claire were just at it together. It was a few years earlier, and they got a time out on Christmas Eve. I have a picture of them. Look at those faces. <laughs> Look at those faces. It's a mixture of, like, guilt and resignation, but you can still see a little bit of punk on their face, you know? And side note, as a parent, I think we can all say that it's the worst when you see yourself and your kids' faces and their expressions. And so I look at that picture, and I'm like, oh, man, I have that face sometimes. <laughs> so if you've ever seen that face, I'm, I'm very sorry. But, um, but anyhow, on this day, Christmas Eve, these guys got in trouble for something. And um, anyway, so on Friday, this conversation that we had for them at the, you know, to lay out kind of the rules and the guidelines, it, it, made, it took me back to like these two specific moments and it reminded me of things. And I, and I thought to myself, man, I'm glad I don't have this conversation with these guys at, every, at the start of every vacation. I don't start off our vacations with like, okay, guys, remember Solana Beach 2018? That's not going to happen again. You know, or Christmas Eve, can you imagine running down the stairs and you're a kid and you're excited and I'm like, okay, well, remember when you got put on timeout. Don't let that happen. Like, how horrible would that be for them, uh, for me? You know, I don't want to remind them again and again of what they've done wrong. You know, um, I think if I started that vacation like that or every Christmas morning like that, it would take away from the joy of what's happening, it would take away from maybe the experience, you know, and I think that my kids would operate under the veil of fear and guilt and some shame. I think they would probably act different because this is, this is what's happening here. And so I'm, I'm really glad I don't start most vacations like this. Yesterday, on Friday night, we did. I didn't say, oh, remember this, remember that, but, you know, I laid out the ground rules. But I'm glad I don't, I don't hit them, and I don't uh, hit them with a reminder, not hit them. <laughs> I'm glad I don't hit them with a reminder of the way they failed. I'm glad I don't hit them with a reminder of the mistakes they have made. And today, we're going to look at chapter 10 in Hebrews, and what the author is saying here in a nutshell is there's no need to remember the wrongs that we have done. There's no need to feel guilty about them, to feel shame about them. There's no, we can't, we, there's no need to try and make amends with God for our sins over and over and over again. We have someone who has paid the cost, and no other form of sacrifice is necessary. Sins are forgiven, and they shall be forgotten. Now, before we read the text, if you're just uh, visiting us today, we've been in Hebrews, and um, what's happening here is he's going to talk about it. It's that every year a high priest, someone in a certain position, would sacrifice an animal in order to atone for... Um, try to make right the sins of the nation. 
And according to the law, this ritual had to be done every year. And as we've heard for several chapters now, when Jesus entered on scene, he changed everything. He changed everything. The author here is going to say that no longer is a ritual needed. It was a fine enough system to get by, yes, but no longer is it needed because Jesus came in and made himself the perfect sacrifice once and for all. So let's read together. Hebrews 10, 1 through 18. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices, it could never, by the same sacrifices, repeat endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they have not stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer feel guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of the bulls and the goats to take sins away. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. This is Christ. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, Jesus, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First he said, sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you do not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance to the law. Again, they were good enough, but not perfect. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He set aside the first system to establish the second system. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. Can you read that with me? Once for all. Day after day, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sin... He sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time, he awaits for his enemies to be made at his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. You and me. The Holy Spirit also testifies about this. First, he says, this covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these sins have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're going to have a couple hallelujah moments and I give you permission to say it. Um, Not that you need it because you take it anyway, most of you. But um, if you, again, if you're just joining us, we're looking at the book of Hebrews and where the author, he seems to stress and stress to his audience that there's a new way of doing things. And he seems to be trying every which way to drill this information into their brains over and over. We see some of the same things, some of the same themes. And I think we can easily gloss over this and say, oh yeah, We kind of covered that. Oh, yeah. And we can easily gloss over 
what's happening in real time on these pages. We can gloss over it, but I, I tried to think of something that would help us understand because they had to change their way of doing things, their laws, their religious practices were so ingrained. They were so ingrained. And as Nancy said in our staff meeting, she said, it was a giant shift in their culture in so many ways. It was a shock to them, to their traditions, to their um, everything. So I came up with this very simple analogy. But what if we said, hey, at a stoplight, Green means stop, red means go. Right? Since the day I can remember, green means go and red means stop. So can you imagine if we all left right now? It would take us hours to get out of this parking lot, just at one stoplight. Just at one stoplight. So there'd be chaos, there'd be confusion, there'd be like, why are we changing this? I don't understand why we're changing this. This has been the way it's been for so long, and now you want me to shift my thinking. So can you imagine that all of a sudden, in one sacrifice, in one man, in one man, it changes everything they know? So in today's passage, we again see that the author is reminding us that the old system is out. And Jesus came. It, the old system is a, is a shadow, a pale comparison. In some, in some translations, it says a pale comparison, a dim preview of what is available now. The sacrifices that the high priest made and, and the fact that they interceded for us, it, it worked, but it was not perfect. It was not total. And the Day of Atonement happened every year and symbolized also the fact that every year sins were remembered. Sins were remembered and not forgotten. And Jesus came in and established a new system. In verse 8, let's read this again. It says, Burnt offerings and sin offerings you do not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance to the law. But then... Jesus said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He set aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Christ. Let's read it again. Once for all. And the author ends this section by saying, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And when these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. I want to bold that last little line there that says sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. You know what that means? That means that there is no other forms of payment that are required for sin. You know when you go to the gas station or the supermarket, what kinds of credit cards? There's no other form of payment accepted. There's no other form of payment required. And not only that, but your balance for sin is zero. Your balance for sin has been paid in full. Yes? Do we understand that? Do we understand that? And, and that was for the audience back then and for the audience of us now. And we can, you know, we can, we can, I don't know if we understand the gravity of this because you and I, we were meant for death. We were meant for sorrow and sin or shame and guilt. And I don't know, when I feel even a little bit of those, of those words, 
oh man, I feel, I feel terrible. I feel terrible. But we were not meant to carry these things. We are meant to take it to the one who has paid the balance for our sin. We were meant to carry the weight of those words. But because of the sacrifice was made once and for all, we no longer have that debt. And we may say, whoop, whoop, and, you know, amen, sister, and, you know, all those things. And we take communion every Sunday, but do we understand what these words mean? That our balance is zero, that our sin has been covered in full. Now, on the flip side, maybe we say, hey, I understand, Melody, I understand fully what those words mean. I understand the weight of those words. I understand that, that one sacrifice was made on our behalf once and for all. Well, there's another side to it. Do we understand that because of this, we have been invited to live in grace? Do we understand that we've been invited to live in grace and in forgiveness, and that that would cause us to be joyous, to have peace. Do we understand? Verse 17 says, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. So yes, the, the other verse said, Once and for all, thank you, Jesus. But do we live with this in mind? Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. I know that I don't always live like I have this on the forefront of my mind. I don't always live like every day I have been invited into grace, into forgiveness, into joy, into hope. I don't know about you, but sometimes we may think, you know, God won't be able to forgive us until we have this mess sorted out. God won't be able to forgive us or, or I don't feel worthy of his love until I do this and this and this and this. I don't feel worthy of his love because I have anger or because I have questions. I don't feel worthy I don't feel worthy because I can't stop this sin, this sin cold turkey. I can't stop thinking about it. I can't, I never talk about it, but I don't, I don't think I can, I don't think I'm worthy. And we may think that we have to punish ourselves and make ourselves feel properly guilty or guilty enough until we deserve to live with this in our minds until we deserve forgiveness. Now, side note, don't get me wrong, because there are consequences to sin. Yes, there are consequences to sin. But forgive, so forgiveness and grace is not a free license to go ahead and live however we want and do things that pull us further away from God and pull us further away from each other. Grace and forgiveness is not a license to do that but this today here is an invitation into God's grace. Today's passage says there's no sacrifice that you or I can make to pay off our sins, and there's no system that we can adopt to pay off our debt. Now, 
Another side of this is let's say, let's just say that we're all very good-natured people in here and we all have, make very excellent choices a lot of the time and we would say we don't struggle with sin too much. Let's say we think that. Well, I think that sometimes on that side of things, we might hold ourselves to a really high standard. Oh, I'm, I'm not getting up every morning as, as, as often as I should to have my quiet time with God, or, oh, I don't read my Bible as much as I should. I don't, I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't do that. And what, we go to the bookstores, right? And it's, you know, midnight mom devotional for the one in the morning and the one at night, just in case you forgot the one in the morning. Or 30 days to a better prayer life and... All these things are good. All these things are good. And they grow us. But we are not meant to beat ourselves up because we think we're not doing good enough. We think we're not doing good enough. Today's passage, again, is saying that there is no sacrifice that you and I can make. There's no system, a devotional system, a podcast system, or whatever system. There's no system we can adopt to pay off our debt. Doing these things are good, yes, but doing these things in order to feel worthy of God's love, that's the old system. That is the old system. That is the way of thinking that was the old system. And that was what these people were looking at. That was the law. And you know what? The law has limits. Yes, the law has limits, but God's grace does not. God's grace does not have limits. And again, today, I want us to understand that we have an open invitation to walk in God's grace every minute of every day. I'm going to have the band come back up. I was thinking about my kids at Solana Beach and the note that they had taped to the door and they were quietly playing board games when you know, I came in and they were probably saints for the rest of the day. Maybe, I don't remember. But everything they did that day was to make up for something wrong they did earlier in the day. Everything they did, and they were operating out of guilt. They were operating out of guilt. They were probably behaving out of fear. I don't want my kids to live like that ever. I don't want my kids, I want my kids to be free of guilt, free of shame and fear. I want them to be open to joy, to joy. And I don't want them to be defined by mistakes that they have made. I don't want them to be tied down by mistakes that they have made. Will they make mistakes again? Of course. They've probably made some already up in Oregon that I don't even know about, but that's okay. No one's called me. They've probably already made mistakes. Will they have to deal with the consequences and write me more notes later on in life? I'm sure. Yes. But as their mom who loves them so much, I don't want to constantly remind them and weigh them down. Weigh them down with their mistakes. And I won't let them beat themselves up either. If anything, when they're being hard on themselves, when they're being hard on themselves, I fight them on that. I say, no, you're not a bad person for doing what you did. Yes, it was a bad choice. You probably lost your mind for a few minutes there. You probably went insane a little bit, but it was a mistake. 
Let's learn from it. Let's move on. And I love my children more than anything, but how much more does God love them? How much more does God love us? More than we could ever understand. And that's why I think it is so hard to understand that God's grace does not have limits. It doesn't have limits. And I think what I want to tell you today is that we cannot wait to say, okay, I'm good enough now. Because that day is never going to come. You're good enough now. And why? Because he has already made us good enough by paying our balance in full. He has already made us good enough by bringing our balance down to zero. No more payment is required. Let's live in his grace now. Now. Now, I could end here, and that would be fine, and it would be a good sermon, and, but I could end here, but I might have someone in here saying, Melody, that's great, but what the heck does that mean? What does living in grace now mean? Well, I'll tell you what I've told my kids. You are not a bad person for that thing that you're thinking about or that sin. Or, you are not a bad person. It's a bad choice, sure. I don't know what it is. Maybe you lost your mind for a second, Okay. But it was a mistake. Can we learn from it and can we move on? And you're going to make mistakes time and time again, but we are invited every day to leave it at the feet of the Lord. We are invited every day to live in his grace, learn from it, and move on. We're about to take communion. I'll have the guys set up where they're going. We're about to take communion we don't take it around an altar, right? We don't take it around an altar where we have to sacrifice an animal. We take it around a table. We take it around a table, and we take it every week to just say, God, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to live in this grace now. I don't feel good enough, God, but you sure know I'm not good enough, and here I am. Here I am. So I'm going to invite you to, we're going to ask just to keep it a little low with our voices and, you know, let's respect the people around us who may need a minute to just speak to their Lord and say, God, you know, you know I don't feel worthy for this or, oh gosh, Lord, you know that I feel like I can't, I can't keep up with all the things I feel like I have to do or I have to, whatever it is. Again, we're never going to feel like we're good enough. But our debt has been paid. You owe nothing. I owe nothing. And that is the craziest grace I can ever think of. So please come, grab your cup, grab your communion, and we'll take it together. Again, this morning, we, I mean, can you imagine trying to keep up with your sin, trying to keep up to remembering time and time and time again and being weighed down by the guilt, the shame of it, 
I know that some of us live like that. And some of us just, oh, I did it again, or I didn't mean to, but I did, or... That's such a heavy way to live. Such a heavy way to live. Jesus does not want that for us. Do you think that he came and broke his body and spilled his blood so that we would have to walk around with that weight? He, it says he did it once and for all. And then it says he sat down next to the Father. He's not pacing around saying, oh gosh, Melody did that, Chris did that, pacing around. He sat down. His job is done. Our debt has been paid, my friends, with a body that was broken for each one of us. Let's take the breath. And it was, it was paid with, with blood that was spilled. And he's sitting down and he's saying, I did it. I want you to live in grace. I want you to live in joy. I want you to have peace that I love you. And yeah, you super suck sometimes. And you make choices, and I don't know what you're thinking, but I love you. Come to me now. Let's take the cup. Lord God, oh, it is so hard to understand that your grace does not have limits. It is so hard to understand what that even so hard but actually Lord you made it so simple you came and you said once for all the debt is paid I will no longer remember their sins and their lawless deeds and it will be forgotten Lord, whatever the situation is around the room, whether we feel like, oh, I just, I need to do more, I need to do more, I need to do more, and then, then I'll be good. Lord, would you slow us down? Would you bring us peace? Would you just speak to our hearts and let us know? Those things are great. Those things are good. But not necessary to make us good enough, Lord. Lord, you made us good enough. Lord, that we would do things, that we would adopt things that bring us closer to you while we know, while we know that we're already good enough. Lord, please help us with our fear and our shame and our guilt and the fact that sometimes we might be operating out of those things like a child who is scared to not make the same mistakes again, Lord. Lord, you love us so much. 
that we would understand that, that we would feel that today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, one of the practices that we have in our house with our kids, so funny, my sermon's about my kids, they're not even here today. I miss them, I guess. It's not about my kids, but they serve as a perfect example to what this is, but one of the practices that we have in our house is this. Listen, you're going to fight together. That means you're going to figure it out together, and you're going to pray together. I have a picture of one of those moments right here. And Chris and I, we adopt this practice because we know that is pretty much, prayer is pretty much the only thing that's going to change things. We can, you know, we can take things away, we can give consequences, we can lecture for hours, but we know that prayer is truly the only thing that is going to change things for the better. And once we're done praying and we say an amen, that's it. The page is turned. We're on to the next thing. We're not going to dwell on this. We're not even going to talk about it anymore. We're going to pretend like this didn't even happen. It's a reset. But we do stop and pray. And we acknowledge that we hurt each other. And we acknowledge that we need each other. And we acknowledge that we love each other. But the most important part of that thing is we acknowledge that only God can change us. And I believe that to be true of our community here. We have to pray together with each other, for each other. We have to be honest and be willing to let people know what's going on. Be vulnerable. And I promise you that more often than not, you will find that more people are dealing with so much more than we could guess. So much more. I, I promise you that. But don't leave it up to guessing. Don't leave it up to guessing. Be known. Be known. If you're here with a heavy heart today, don't leave this place without telling someone or without writing it down on a prayer card. And you can stick it in the slot in the hallway for the offering. Don't let, leave it up to guessing. Write it down or tell someone today. If you're here today with a great joy, let's celebrate that. Tell someone today. Write it down. Let us know. We'll celebrate with you. We'll celebrate with you and maybe you are the person today that can carry someone else's burden. You are that person today. Grant and I were sitting across from someone this week at a meeting and, you know, we said, you know, we're not in this to make a name for ourselves or to make a name for new song. That stuff doesn't matter. People matter. People matter. Hearts matter. Love matters. And here at New Song, we want to love you. And we want to be loved. Let's lift our voices now and sing of the amazing grace that we can live in now because the sacrifice has been given for what? Once for all. Let's sing. <laughs> 